Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Palace sources say the Windsors were blindsided because they thought at worst the interview would make them look out of touch. Because if there's one thing a palace surrounded by iron spikes looked like before, it was in touch. Now, remember not to make eye contact with the lady whose face is on the coins. Hmm. So, last hour we talked about inflation. This hour we're going to talk about Social Security. Who would tune into that? I don't know. Boring. Um, Coming up, Jack, Russia has turned away from NASA and says it will work with China to build a base on the moon. Saw that. Why do they? Yeah. Why are Russia and China working together on a moon base? What's their plan? Attack us from the moon. It's time to preemptively blow up the moon to deny them that opportunity. <laughs> I'm gonna call my lawyer. Ghana. I'm, I'm gonna ga- call my lawyer. I'm gonna blow up the moon. Ghana is I'm going. I'm gonna to. call my lawyer. Right. Ghana is going to. Time Ghana. to nuke the moon. <laughs> Who has the courage? Uh, this is from Market Watch, explaining how Social Security was one of the worst performing funds in the world last year, and you're it's you have no choice but to pay into it. It's the law; you have to. So they take some of your money and invest it poorly. How do you like that plan? Yeah, and any time they talk about privatizing it and letting you invest your own money, oh, that would be the Wild West. You're on your own in Mitt Romney's America. The headline in Market Watch: If Social Security were a private retirement fund, we'd sue. This is from Brett. Uh, Aaron's ROI, return on investment. One of the worst performing pension funds in the world last year was yours. And you probably didn't know it. All that money you've poured into Social Security Trust over the years has earned less than 1% over 2020. That's right. While the S&P 500 was up 18%, and even a simple index fund like the Vanguard, very conservative fund, was up 16%. Your Social Security money earned 1% in the year 2020. Even Norway's fund, their government fund, for the way they do their Social Security, was up 11% last year. Wow. We were up 1%. Are they just buying bonds? The returns earned by Social Security is the scandal that keeps on going. The previous year, the Norwegian pension fund gained 20%. The balance index fund 20 and the S&P 31%. That's right. The S&P was up 31% in 2019. Social Security, up 2%. That well, was the greatest partly, year in the history of stock markets. It's partly because of the nature of it. It's a. It's not a you're putting money away. It's you're paying into it so they can pay current retirees. It's debt-ridden. It's heading toward disaster. So far in 2021, the fund has returned less than the rate of inflation. So you're going backwards. Over the past 10 years, the returns of the Norwegian fund, I don't know why they decided to pick that one, have outpaced Social Security more than 400%. Wow. Oh, my God. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, I come to this scandal because Congress just spent $86 billion of our money bailing out private sector pension funds on behalf of the Teamsters and other unions, while continuing to do absolutely nothing whatsoever to put Social Security on a stable financial footing. The current funding hole in Social Security is $16.8 trillion, according to the trustees of the fund. And it goes to about 80% of the entire U.S. economic output, or about $50,000 for every person in the country. That's right, Social Security, which you pay in your whole life, and most people kind of have this foggy notion that it's, 
going into uh, an account, and it'll be there when I get older. No, they spend it, and it's upside down almost $17 trillion. It's a sheer outrage, it says here in this op-ed piece in Market Watch. Few hyperboles are strong enough that we are all required by law to invest 12.4% of every dollar we earn into a pension fund that is run something like uh, out of something out like a Marx Brothers movie. They take 6.2% from your side of the check and 6.2% from the employer's side of the check, which adds up to 12.4% of every dollar you earn by law goes into a fund that's getting 1% while any other fund is getting double-digit returns. How do you like that? You know, I will never be in favor of political violence because it's almost always counterproductive and uh, and goes in the wrong way and brings the wrong things. But I get people being so frustrated they wanted to smash stuff up. Sure. I do understand that. Understanding something and justifying it are two completely different things, by the way. Idiots. 242 million Americans are forced by law to pin their retirement hopes on a system that is being knowingly left in the crisis by those in charge who are completely aware of this. Yeah. Meanwhile, again, they are bailing out private pensions to appease the unions. If Social Security were a trust fund or mutual fund, it would be wound down. If it were a private sector pension fund, there would be lawsuits everywhere. Oh, yeah, the the guy running it had been fired decades ago. Or a gal, a woman, can be an astute financial advisor as well, Jack. Uh, There's an explanation for this fiasco. Social Security is expressly forbidden by law from investing any of your dollars in any kind of assets that are recommended by every competent financial advisor on the planet and which are trusted by every other pension fund. In other words, Social Security is uh, ownership of stocks, 0%. Ownership of real, real estate, 0%. Ownership of commodities, 0% of Social Security, and the only thing it can own, U.S. Treasury bonds. Imagine a company pension fund investing all its money in that company's bonds, and you get the picture of what Social Security is. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, the sentence in there that got me so riled up, I actually read uh, about half of this last night, and I had to put it down. And I was (laughs) texting with Craig, the Obamacare lawyer, about just how maddening this is. The part in there that, 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 that really torques you off is so okay so it's the law that 12.4% of my money has to go into this and you're handling like this and you're in charge yeah well that's because I mean, that's just, it's that's, not what it claims to be like you just said that's that's stuff of revolution practically yeah yeah i think it's interesting that the one asset they permit is buying up the debt they create in congress the bonds and, and there was an uh, the biggest effort in my lifetime was uh, George Bush. He attempted to give people an option of investing it themselves, but all the pushback was, "Well, what about people who invest and lose, and then they won't have any money, and we'll have to bail them out?" What are you talking about? You already spent all the money. It's sixteen trillion dollars upside down already. How yeah. are you going to do worse than that? Ah, <sighs> boy. So if I got to keep that 12%, I ought to do the math. I could do it pretty easily. If I got to keep that 12% and put it in the funds that I put it into in the last couple of years, how much more money would I have lifetime than what I'm going to get out of Social Security? Oh, it'd be multiples. Oh, it'd be so much money. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't know this, though. Most people are completely unaware of how Social Security works or, or any of the stuff that I just told you. The United States government is an insolvent insurance company with an army. That is the best description I've ever heard. 
It's it's really frustrating, but there's just no taste for dealing with this. There's no constituency. There's no polls that show people really want to, to deal with this and look at it. It just we can't do anything as a country until it becomes an unsolvable crisis. And yeah, then all we can do is throw a Band-Aid on it. So I mentioned That's... this economics podcast I was listening to yesterday with some real heavyweight think tank e- economist pers- people, and they were talking about uh, inflation, as we talked about last hour, and all this different sort of stuff. But one of it was that is the debt and how there's just no appetite in any either party because there's no public appetite for dealing with this sort of stuff. We've just got this, we'll worry about that later attitude. And it's all termites in a house. It's not... Um, They use the example of it's not like a gorilla in your backyard that's going to attack you and you have to deal with it now. No, it's termites in the house eating away at the foundation of everything. And at some point, it will be such a such a crisis. I mean, just a gorilla in your backyard will seem like a minor incident in comparison. It'll be such a crisis. It will be the entire structure has been eaten out and is falling down and it's too late to do anything about it. But it happens so slowly over time, and you don't see it, mm-hmm. that you know we just continue down the path. Boy, if, if I had a time machine, I probably wouldn't do this, but I'd be so tempted to go 100 years into the future just to see how all this came out. Yeah. That Social Security stuff is maddening. Sean, you spend all, you know, how many hours a day do you spend on trying to get your investments right? If you had your 12% of your paycheck... That you could invest instead of the one percent return they're getting in the stock market. I would be retired already. <laughs> I mean, that is just so so maddening. Or yeah. I would have burned it on like digital tacos or something ridiculous. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I hey, I just saw the headline that some guy who put one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars into those wackadoo uh, d- d- internet trading videos, whatever you call those, those non-tangible. What's it? NFTs. He he spent one hundred and seventy-five bucks and he made twenty million. Uh, he has an account that is valued at twenty million. I, okay. I believe he still needs to sell those assets for it to, to for that to be actually true. But, and, but yeah. and was that a, a a fake headline? And you just referenced it. I saw it. Taco Bell sold all its NFT tacos. I believe that was an accurate headline. That's this that was for an real thing. Yeah, they yeah. had digital tacos that you could buy. Mm-hmm. Gronk has started his very own uh, non-fungible token line, so you can get all sorts of Gronk moments. I'm assuming it's keg stands and a bunch of shirtless stuff. And here's where it crashes. How much did you have to pay for a Taco Bell digital taco? I don't know, but I think one of them resold for over a 1000 I can't I don't, I don't decide know whether I want to spend the rest of my life dealing with this or pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> I don't know if they offered their digital tacos in like a taco pack too, because that's a great deal. You got like the twenty tacos. You go to a work site. Oh man, that's that's king right there. Can I take twelve percent out of every one of my dollars and try to invest in this? I like my chances better than Social Security. Oh yeah, hell yeah, yeah. It's just I don't I don't want to bring people down. No, I, I don't really either. don't. And we've done a lot of that today. Yeah. The, here's good news: the, down. The, uni- <laughs> the University of Texas has decided its song isn't racist. Oh, good. So we can follow up on that. We mentioned that yesterday, among other things. Gosh darn it. Oh. Somebody come up with the University of Texas song. I don't know. I've probably heard it at a football game. It's called game, but... The Eyes of Texas. Yeah? And what's the, what's, what are the lyrics? I need the, the I, Eyes of I, Texas I the... are staring at Oklahoma. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. We'll figure it out.
Armstrong and Getty Show. Don't say a word. The last one's still stinging. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the second, the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him general, but my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we've just talked about. The guy with the job, old money, old money, Johnny Money guns over there with the boom, boom and the pew, pew. Does great work for the whole outfit with the uniforms and everything. I want to thank my secretary of trains and planes, little mayor, toot, toot. Over in education, secretary, teach him ups. Thanks, teach. You're all fantastic. Come on, Jack. Is it Jack? Is the secretary Jack McJack, Jack? <laughs> AK, I, I think you're right. So he, Colbert was trying to portray it as he's kind of a nicknamey sort of guy. Wacky, quirky, hipster, nicknames for everybody. You're Jimmy Jim, you're teach him up. No, it was an old man saying, I want to thank the, uh, the guy who's, uh, in charge of that outfit over there. I mean, it was not somebody slinging early 60s hipster jive. That was an old man who couldn't remember the name of the department, the name of the guy who ran it. He couldn't remember the title of the guy who ran it. He didn't know where he was. And listen, I want you to understand this. I want you to trust me on this. This is not some sort of I'm right-wingy Joe Hannity anti-Biden stuff. That guy is seriously... Old and incapacitated, at and least at joke. times. And Molly Hemingway of the Federalist tweeted out that maybe it's a good idea to not have Joe Biden do any press conferences, as he's gone the longest in over a hundred years so far without having a press conference. Um, maybe it's a good idea for national security reasons to not tip off Putin or China or North Korea or whoever that hey, we got a guy who's barely got it together. Now, um, must say, I wagered emotionally on this over and over again during the election and every time come debate time or whenever wherever he needed it, he pulled it together and didn't have those moments so well that that's because they jabbed him full of uh, whatever it was cocaine or they gave him a big fat shot in the ass and uh, essence of ibogaine or whatever why can't it <laughs> ginkgo biloba whatever it was they got him up for the debates. Yeah, but just listen to the guy. And I'm serious. I'm worried about national security. Can you imagine if, if he came off like that on a regular basis? The president of, uh, you know, the, the country over there. France, Mr. President. Yeah, for, for France. Yeah. France. Yeah, Mr. President, we're having a treaty. We're going to sign a treaty. A treaty with uh, the president of uh, France, Mr. President. France. Come on. China would be on the shores of San Francisco right now. So the other thing welcomed in that communist enclave. The other thing that Colbert did that's a visual is he had Oprah interviewing both of Biden's dogs (laughs) (laughs) that have been sent off to the pound. They sent them to the pound, right? They're going to be put down. Is that what I read? No, they sent them home to Connecticut. Although they're putting them down. Or Delaware, rather. In that interview, the dogs revealed that it was the agent who actually bit the dog. They had it backwards. And Jen Psaki, the White House press spokesman who asked to speak for the president because he doesn't speak, um, said that they're going to bring their cat in soon and the White House cat will break the Internet. It's so cute. I'm not a cat. (laughs) 
I'd like to welcome my my your cat, sir. My cat doing a good job over there with the mice and the the ball of yarn. Uh, my cat, whose name I keep calling it, my cat. Its name is uh, Fluffy, sir. <laughs> Fluffy the cat. So, do we have time to play Piers Morgan? So he uh, either know who he was or what? Yeah, we can do it. So he's a talk show host. Walked off the set of his own talk show the other day because they're questioning him about the time he dated Meghan Markle. Anyway, I want to hear uh, number seven. If people want to believe Meghan Markle, that's entirely their right. I don't believe almost anything that comes out of her mouth. I think the damage she's done to the British monarchy and to the Queen at a time when Prince Philip was lying in hospital is enormous and frankly contemptible. So uh, if I have to fall on my sword for expressing an honestly held opinion about Meghan Markle, and that diatribe of bilge that she came out with in that interview, so be it. So one thing is uh, Piers Morgan thinks she's just full of crap. He, they, they went out once, he knows her somewhat, and just thinks she's a, a liar and a nut. But listen to all those camera clicks. Yeah. Is it, Directly do, on top of the microphone, too. That's helpful. <laughs> British tabloids, man. If it involves the royals, it's hot. I wouldn't give you a cent for a picture of Piers Morgan talking about a Mer- Mer- Meghan Markle interview. Oh, my God. Megan Merkin, Michael, huh? Am I wrong? Yep. Anyway, yeah, she, yeah, okay. Well, we, we're out of time to discuss that, and it's probably good. a good thing. Fantastic. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And a most unusual warning for Los Angeles public school teachers tonight. A message on a union Facebook page is advising teachers not to post spring break vacation pictures. The idea is to try to avoid more problems over the teacher's insistence that going back to the classroom is still not safe. While many parents and students in the district say it is time to go back to school, the teachers union calls them racist, saying largely white, wealthy parents are driving the push for a rushed return. Wait, I heard L.A. schools have opened back up, so that's good. Anyway, what happened with the Royals? You probably <laughs> did hear L.A. schools have opened back up in like six weeks, maybe, and for two days for a couple of hours a week. And it's only all. the youngest kids. And only some grades. Same so. with the San Francisco school district. I was just reading about that. Their reopening plan, which is tentative and <clears throat> relies on approval this, from the teachers. This is clearly, they felt like the political heat had actually grown to the point that they had to do something. And the media is so freaking stupid that if they say, we're opening back up, they're opening back up, everyone. Crisis is over. Right. Even if the reality of it is only a couple of days and for some grades. Yeah. Very maddening. Yeah. 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 We get the government we deserve. I think we probably get the media we deserve. Uh, the fact, I hate when I get what I deserve. The fact that there are some conversations that include not being open next fall, I keep dismissing those as thinking, well, that's not possible. But I thought that about this spring. I am so curious to see how all of this ends. I've got a feeling of the calm before the storm right now. And I don't want to freak anybody out, but we were talking about some of the fiscal realities of this great country and how we are conducting an experiment, the likes of which nobody would have even dared uh, to try 
you know, in previous generations, spending money, borrowing money this fast and and throwing it out into the economy without fear of inflation. I mean, so you got that going on. You got the uh, the Social Security and Medicare bombs are about to go off. Nobody cares. And, you know, I probably shouldn't even bring this up. But one of the problems I had with Trump is that not only did he not do anything about that, he he poo pooed the very notion of reforming Social Security, which bothered the heck out of me, because I think that's way more dangerous than Kim Jong Un. Anyway. Um, but we, you and I can disagree on that and still be friends. <clears throat> but the other call before the storm thing is I've come across a couple of things just in the last couple of hours. The heads of the Chinese and Russian space agencies have signed an agreement to work together to build a scientific station on the moon. Details fairly sparse, specifying only that the countries would work together to create research facilities on the surface and or in orbit around the moon. Any coming together of China and Russia is not a good thing. Nope, should horrify everyone. I, I thought the moon actually, was our, I thought the moon was ours. Well, it is. It is. And if they lay a single commie footprint on it, they're going to find out good and hard. I assume we have Marines hiding in the craters, just waiting for the commie invasion of the moon. Moonreens. <laughs> they're called. I don't actually expect uh, the dirty commies to unleash a ray gun from space and, and, and obliterate New York or anything like that. But I just I hate to see the two of them working together, particularly as I heard the comments of Admiral Philip Davidson, who's the head of the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command. He, he is the guy in our military staring the Chinese down because it's going to be a naval confrontation when it comes. It already is a naval confrontation. South China Sea, the building of the bases, etc. We've gone over this plenty of times. But he is the guy heading up that part of the Navy and that part of the world. <clears throat> and the things he said uh, to the Senate Armed Services Committee ought to be the headline in every website in America, every paper, every magazine. But it's not. Nobody cares. Here's what he said. China is assembling an increasingly offensive military and expanding its regional footprint. Beijing stepping up efforts to supplant American military power in Asia. He says, quote, I cannot for the life of me understand some of the capabilities they're putting into the field unless it's an aggressive posture. I see them developing systems, capabilities, and a posture that would indicate that they're interested in aggression. Wow. I had not heard that. No, no, and it's troubling, honestly. You heard plenty about Megan Freak and Markle, and by the way, I think she probably is a homewrecker. I think she I mean, probably is, too. She's she's one of those women. She's totally uh, alienated from her entire family. Now her husband's alienated from his family. It's a comfort zone. Conflict is her comfort zone. And everybody's against us, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Look at us. We're off of China. Back to the royals. I'm sorry. Where was I? Ah, yes. Uh, the Admiral. Now, he was in the hearing uh, defending budget requests for billions of dollars in new weaponry in the Pacific. So, okay, all right, maybe he's going to p- play up the threat. We'll mm. take it with a grain of salt. You always have to watch out for that, although it's been <clears throat> announced by, remember, FBI Director Ray said China has a whole-of-society goal of supplanting the United States as the lone superpower. Right. Right. I'm just trying to concede that, okay, that's why he was there, but I think he makes the case strongly enough that you ought to be convinced, y'all. He described China, quote, as the greatest long-term strategic threat to security in the 21st century. Without a doubt. 
said Beijing has been carrying out increasingly threatening moves, citing Chinese military activity around Taiwan, along its disputed border with India, and even around U.S. islands in the Pacific. Uh, Quoting the admiral, I'm worried that they're accelerating their ambitions to supplant the United States in our leadership role in the rules-based international order, which they've long said they want to do that by 2050. I'm worried about them moving that target closer. Then I could tell you what the dirty commies said and that it's all defensive, but uh, they're liars. So, I heard this a couple of weeks ago. I've not mentioned it on the air because I was afraid it'd be too uh, detailed, boring for most people. I don't know. But um, I was listening to a podcast with Peter Hitchens, um, who is as famous in Britain as his brother Christopher Hitchens, but not as well known in the United States. But uh, Peter Hitchens was talking about the Suez moment. When will the United States have its Suez moment? And what he was talking about was there was a Suez crisis in um, 53, I think it was, when Eisenhower was president. There's a great book about that, Eisenhower, Ike's Bluff. Ike's Bluff, a great book. But anyway, um, uh, we got on the opposite, opposite side of Great Britain on an issue regarding uh, Egypt and Israel and everything over at that time. You know, this is shortly after World War II. Winston uh-huh. Churchill is, you know, st- st- still the presence. Eisenhower, they worked together, to, but here they are on opposite sides of this issue. And um, at one point, the British fleet is over there, and we've got our bombers and fleet over there, too, to, to, to try to keep them from doing anything we didn't want them to do. And... One of our guys says to, to somebody, and I don't remember who it was, but the key phrase was, man, we could take out the entire British fleet right now if we wanted to. And we knew we could do that, and the Brits knew we could do that. And Peter Hitchens was saying this was the moment that we realized we were no longer the power on Earth. Up until then, they still considered oh, we themselves... Being the British, the right, British. from his perspective. Yeah, yes. Right. Up until then... You know, the British still considered themselves the big player on planet Earth because they had been for 200 years. But they realized, man, the United States could have taken out our entire Navy at that point if they'd wanted to. And we knew that. When do we have our Suez moment? Will it happen at some point in the near future, maybe, maybe, uh, around China? You know, it's going to be with those shipping lanes and everything, I think. China is going to do something set up a situation, maybe, you know, knock out an aircraft carrier or something like that, and they're going to have enough assets in place that they're going to basically be able to say, we could defeat you right now, and we're going to say, yeah, you could, and we're going to back down. Well, wait till I tell you about this Chinese propaganda video they just put out and, and that what will, it portrayed. And that will be our Suez moment, and then we'll realize we're not the big player anymore, or certainly not the only one. Huh. Okay. Maybe well, they, Maybe our Pentagon already feels that way. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, but I think they see it coming. If you wait to react until it's true, well, then you're screwed. So that propaganda video I want to tell you about in a minute. But speaking of safety, this is about your home and your family. Uh, whether it's a break in a fire, flooding, medical emergency, simply safe. Home security delivers award-winning 24-7 protection. This is not just less expensive and simpler. It's better than traditional home security systems. Yeah, it's just better. It wins all kinds of awards over much more expensive, much more complicated systems. This one's simple to set up. It's simple to order. It's simple to get into the contract. It's simple to get out of the contract. Actually, there is no long-term contract. Um, and simple to use. Did I say that one already? Which is very important. You set it up in about 30 minutes. Um, you order it. It comes to your home. You don't need anybody to come there. And then you've got all these um, sensors monitoring your home 24-7, and you're protected. 
And friends, this is your home or your workshop with all your expensive tools, your band's rehearsal space. You know, whatever you want to protect, they can customize the system for you. Just go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You get a free home security camera for using our code simplysafe.com slash Armstrong for your free security camera today. 60-day risk-free trial. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You know, I liked how when you were talking about Meghan Markle, you talked out of the side of your mouth like this. So nobody actually hears. All right. You say. All right. I think stuff. she's a home record. I think Harry's in for a long life. I think he's not the first guy to uh, turn off his common sense because his girlfriend's super hot. <laughs> Far from it. Glad you said it out of the side of your mouth, though. Anyway, back to China, Jack. Listen to this from the Admiral, Admiral Davidson, who's talking about the increasingly aggressive posture of China. Uh, militarily, especially in the the naval realm. He said uh, China is becoming more active around the U.S. Pacific Island territories. Quote, we're seeing Chinese naval developments of service task groups and submarines that make circumnavigations of Guam in the Commonwealth of the Northern Marianas, another U.S. territory. My brother spent a fair amount of time on Guam uh, during his time in the submarine service. He also cited... Dig this, a Chinese propaganda video that depicted bombers hitting and wiping out Anderson Air Force Base on Guam, as well as showing off Beijing's robust ballistic missile forces, which are well within reach of our Micronesian islands from the Chinese mainland. Guam is a target today. It needs to be defended, pointing out the island is home to 170,000 U.S. citizens. Their defense is homeland defense. So he's looking for a missile defense system, among other things, to protect Guam. Oh, boy, more of this to come, probably for the rest of your life. But China is absolutely got its finger on its triggers and is starting to get more and more belligerent. Uh, oh, this Admiral Davidson, he said sometime in the next six years they're going to move on Taiwan, in his opinion. He could be wrong, but he in said it out loud years. to the Senate. Wow. Yeah. We'll be talking about this more. Read the 100-Year Marathon. Great book. I don't want to run a regular marathon, much less a 100-Year Marathon. <laughs> That's um, about how long it would take for me to run an actual marathon. Took me yeah. took me five and a half hours when I was 31 years old, although I had not trained for it at all in my defense. <laughs> That's your defense? My defense is I ran it without having trained for it, but it did take me five and a half hours. Why am I picturing you in jeans in this? I, you know what? And I boots. Not. Work boots. <laughs> Uh, like Jethro Clampett. <laughs> Didn't you hurt yourself and then you just kept on going? Absolutely, and I still suffer pain from it. <laughs> no kidding. I damaged myself permanently. You can't be accused of lack of spontaneity. You know, you didn't train, you ran out and gave yourself a permanent injury, but you did stuff. You didn't. There are plenty of people who err to the other side, right? And never do anything. Yeah. I'm not sure that was the smartest move of my life careening from guardrail to guardrail through life. It's admirable. I got up the next day after running that marathon feeling like I'd been run over by a tank. Every part of my body hurt so bad I could barely move, barely walk. It was it was rough. My theory was, Sean, my theory was, and I was still young enough to have this you know, kind of belief about life. I was 31. I thought, if somebody put a gun to your head, you could run a marathon to save your life. Just get in that mindset. Such a young dude thought. It is such a young dude thought. <laughs> and so I made myself do it, even though the last, geez, I don't know, hour, I could hear my Achilles squishing oh, every step I took. Jeez. Oh, Made a golly. squishing noise. Oh, no, 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 no
God, that was rough. I cried at the end. That's how emotionally invested I was. Oh. I don't cry about anything. At the end of it, I actually cried. I couldn't stop myself. It was wow. weird. Weird psychological experience. You sure it wasn't from your ruptured tendons? <laughs> why anybody would do that seems ridiculous now you crippled yourself for life that might have been why you cried that's hard to say <laughs> oh hey uh totally different topic what's the future of the workplace going to be we're all wondering that people working remotely the vid blah 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 you know the conversation well a couple of big companies have announced their future plans and uh you need to know about the hub and home strategy could be the future of work cool text line 415-295-KFTC Famed newsman Walter Cronkite in the late 60s. One government report projects that by the year 2000, the United States will have a 30-hour work week and month-long vacations as the rule. A lot of this new free time will be spent at home. And this console controls a full array of equipment to inform, instruct, and entertain the family of the future. We could uh, watch a football game. Or a movie shown in full color on our big 3D television screen. This console provides a summary of news relayed by satellite from all over the world. I might uh, check the latest weather. A telephone is this instrument here. If I want to see the people I'm talking with, I just turn the button and there they are. With equipment like this in the home of the future, we may not have to go to work. The work would come to us. Mm. Wow, was that accurate? Yeah. <laughs> He's nailed it. Crazy. Oh, well, not the 30-hour work week and the month-long vacation, but that's what socialism is. And I don't understand what that's got to do with... Right. I just uh, I think uh, they were imagining productivity so amazing that, oh, you know, I don't want to, there's no yeah. need to. The FaceTime they got right. Yeah, a lot of it they got right. That was amazing. You have a console that shows you everything from around the world. But speaking of the future, the future is now, folks. And one of the big questions is, what's the future of the workplace? Um, and a couple of headlines for you. Salesforce has canceled a 325,000-square-foot lease at an as-yet-unbiddled tower in San Francisco's Trans Bay uh, District. <clears throat> Uh, Salesforce, San Francisco's largest private employer with 10,000 local workers and 54,000 globally. Last August, Pinterest canceled an almost half million square foot lease south of the market in San Francisco as oh well. Oh my gosh, as I say, I've said so many times, the ripples of all these decisions, we have no idea how these are going to play out. Oh no. They mention in the uh, San Francisco Chironicle, the, uh, this is the latest blow to landlords downtown area, tech companies downsizing, workers staying home. The local economy has suffered greatly with the, uh, Bay Area rapid transit ridership plummeting by 80%. Numerous small businesses closing permanently. Tech companies such as Twitter, Yelp, and Dropbox have listed sublease space and said many employees can work remotely, etc. <clears throat> I'm thinking about so, the hubbub of downtown San Francisco, you know, roughly a year ago. And how many, you know, all the young people walking here and there and everything going on. Nobody knew a year ago when that shut down that it may never come back again. 
That might never occur again in that city or all kinds of cities around the world. Might be yeah, over forever. Just, right. And, and nobody knew. People were starting talking about this flu from China, and all of a sudden cities are over. Nobody knew it. Or not. Who knows? The world has a way of throwing curveballs at us. But I also want to mention this. Prime Therapeutics is a big pharmacy benefits manager, and they just announced their post-COVID-19 strategy. They call it, uh, what do they call it? Hub and Home It will use the hub and home hybrid model in which employees will use their home offices for individual work and then go into the company's uh, headquarters for collaboration and socialization from time to time. They don't know how often at this point, but they're going to experiment with it. Uh, Let's see. They just finished 400,000 square feet of office space in uh, Minnesota, and now they're going to abandon a bunch of it, as I understand. Last summer, the company pulled its employees, found 93% of them were okay or better working from home. Two-thirds also wanted to spend time in the office. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Uh, working from home is kind of novel for a while. You, you wonder whether people get sick of it after a year and kind of long for the energy of the office. I don't know. Although you wouldn't have to do this very long before you'll have a whole new generation of people that never worked in an office with people, so they won't long for it. Right. Right. Uh, with employees only coming in about a third of the time, or so they think at this point they only need two-thirds of the office space they'd had uh, previously. What I've found, the way it is here, some people come in now and then, not very often, but it's never coordinated to be at the same time. So you come into an empty building, and yeah, you were here for a day, but all the people you hang out with weren't. They're here. Right. They're Maybe different. you run into somebody and say, hey, Jim, how's it going? Good, good. Or how are you? And then you go your separate ways again. Armstrong and Getty.